Premier League is a coach's league with some of the brightest and best in the world prowling the touchline. Yes, it's tempting to focus on Klopp, Guardiola and Conte, but there are other magicians in the troupe. Unai Emery has brought his mad professor intensity to Villa Park. Eric Ten Hag is trying to turn the tanker that is the good ship Manchester United. And Roberto Di Zerbi is doing some very cool things at Brighton. Yes, he's the hipster's choice. The old managerial merry-go-round ground to a halt a long time ago. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. brightest and best tipsters get on to this show. I'm joined by regular vice-captain Mark O'Hare. Mark, let's start with Villa against Brighton. Slightly awkward because we don't know how Villa got on against Manchester United in the League Cup, but we do know how they did against United in the League and they stuffed them. <laughs> they really did, yeah. It took me by a complete surprise that the performance levels and the actual um, way in which they went for United, you know, they really went for the throat from the first whistle. Um, much more front foot than I anticipated under Emery. Playing in, in roughly a 4-2-2-2 system that seemed to be a bit more 4-2-3-1 at times. But Jacob Ramsey kind of epitomised that system because he was so impressive in, in, the, in the box-to-box role. Yeah, and, you know, they've got a gem there. And I, so, certainly for the last 12 months or so, it felt like he was... Probably wasn't reaching his potential, but hopefully now what we saw last weekend will be a sign of things to come because he can be a well-beater on, on his day. And he was last weekend. Wendia as well, we saw how effective he can be when given a bit more licence and uh, an opportunity, really. Um, I think Coutinho is, is out injured at the minute too, so he should be expecting to, to, to feature again this weekend. And Villa will fancy their chances. You know, Brighton have kept one clean sheet since August, um, which is surprisingly poor. Um, I guess the, the sort of uh, pragmatist of me would be slightly concerned by their away record this season which is you know they're yet to win on the road they've lost five of seven only Forrest have scored fewer away goals and Villa's tally of three and you know you think of Unai Emery an away underdog you know that does cause a little bit of concern um, for me particularly in this match because I'm looking towards backing goals um, I think Villa can score I think they've got more than enough ability and I think last week they showed what they are capable of he uh, he didn't field a defensive setup as as I possibly anticipated so if Villa can reach anywhere close to those standards, I think they can play their part in what could be quite an entertaining game. Um, one which I'm really looking forward to because um, you know he's not been in that position very long, but Roberto De Zerbi is certainly showing the same sort of characteristics of this Brighton team as as his Sassuolo side were famed for. They're, they're pressing high, they're, they're moving the ball much quicker towards goal than under Graham Potter. They're being much more expansive and adventurous, really, and, and that's certainly the De Zerbi way. There's there's an, an element of chaos as well, and they're, they're embracing it too. And, They've back-to-back wins. They've performed really well. But, you know, he's had seven games in charge. They've scored three goals or more on three occasions. And they've conceded multiple goals in four of those fixtures too. It's, it's very Deserby-like. So, you know, you look at the match against Wolves last week. And yes, they played 10 men for a large chunk of that. But 12 different players had a shot at goal. The exceptions were Billy Gilmore, who came on in the 82nd minute, and Joel Ventman, who came on in stoppage time. Seven of the 12 players to have a shot hit the target, and many of them created chances too. So, you know, they're very much kind of getting forward and opening teams up at the minute. But uh, I guess that gung-ho nature does leave them opportunities to, to expose them to. And, and Wolves did create opportunities of their own, despite kind of being beaten 
on the day and you think of Brighton, the way in which they battered Chelsea a fortnight ago as well. Yeah, I fully expect them to score and, and um, possibly score a couple of goals in this game. And I, I just back Villa to sort of play their part in a goal-heavy game. So, you know, markets can take time to adjust when new coaches come in. And I think that's definitely the case here because we're getting both teams to score at 1.85. I don't think that price will be available in a couple of months once uh, Deserby's kind of figures start for, for reaching through to the to the market. So, yeah, Brighton will score in this game and I, I hope Villa can sort of play their part too. I think 1.85 is is a bit too big right now. Our data doctor's in. Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal has been working the XG robots hard in the last few weeks. What changes have you noticed in Deserbi's Brighton? I know it's a very small sample size, Jake, but I guess it was the perfect set of players for him to get because they're all technically good. They are used to taking on complex information from what Graham Potter's taught them. So it was kind of always likely to be a decent transition for him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think most of that's down to the uh, the football club at Brighton. That you know they, they don't just go out and appoint a big name manager. They fit, pick someone who's going to suit the system, who's going to fit the players, and and who's got the right characteristics both on on the, on and off the field to get the best out of them. Um, you know, it's, it's it's brilliant succession planning by them. Um, they'll have had a list probably of three or four na- different names, and Deserby will have probably been top of the list, and it just ha- so happened to be that he was out of work. So. Um, yeah, uh, it, I think it's 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 a nice fit all the all the way around, and, and I think Brighton as a club deserve a lot of credit because um, you know we, we see loads you know quite regularly a lot of clubs panic and don't have a plan in place. Look at Wolves, you know, um, you know sat the manager and went to, you know that they, they had one target, he turned them down, and then you know you, you're stuck with a caretaker manager. So um, you know there's a lot of credit I think, um, and, and it's why in my opinion Brighton are one of the the best operations in the Premier League right now. Uh, from everything they do, top to bottom, the scouting, the the, the implementation of the uh, of the players, the system, um, I think it's just just a well-oiled machine and, and and something that a lot of teams can learn from. You know, they they are effectively punching above their weight at the moment, aren't they? They're, they're up in, around the top eight, top nine in the league, um, and really with their their budget, they should be sixth, fifth, sixth bottom of the league. So. Um, it just shows you what those small differences, the small edges that you can gain from doing things in a slightly different manner, um, similar to likes of Brentford, that make a massive difference. And, and yeah, Deserby has is he's definitely benefited from a really good crop of players, um, and you know the the styles similar to what Potter's playing, but as Mark said, there's a little bit more um, intensity, a little bit more get the ball forward quicker than compared to Potter. Potter's sometimes would, was a little bit slow around the back to try and generate that space. Um, and it, yeah, it's made them fun to watch. I mean, looking through the re- the previous matches, they've racked up two expected goals in seven of the last nine Premier League matches. Um, and yeah, I think that's five of the last seven under Deserby, which is a really, really strong performance. Uh, and it shows the kind of consistent level that, that we expect to see from a top four, top six kind of team uh, to hit those attacking figures. Uh, the only games they didn't was against Manchester City away, which, you know, not many people tend to go to Manchester City and create over two expected goals. Uh, and Spurs at home. And I think Spurs were reeling off the back of a couple of bad losses in that game and played really, really tight. And uh, it was a bit of a boring game to watch that one. So, um, yeah, that, that level of consistency to me is is impressive. Um, and at home, they've been excellent. Only Arsenal, Man City and Newcastle have a better home process than Brighton this season. 2.1 expected goals for, 0.75 against. Um, and yeah, I, 
you know, I thought Villa were they were good against Manchester United. They were fortunate though. You know, they, they scored low probability chances that they perhaps wouldn't have on another day. Um, so for context, based on the quality of chances created by both teams in the match, they had just a 22% chance of winning the game. Uh, Man United were slightly higher at 25%, and uh, I think the draw was the remaining 53%. So um, they were fortunate to come away with three points on that occasion. And um, yeah, I, I've, I'm not going to get drawn into to one performance, um, uh, one result. I, I respect to Naomi, I think he's a great coach, uh, but everything I've seen so far from Brighton, I, I think they should be backed at 1.89 to win the game. I don't see a reason why not. They're playing at such a high level right now, they're creating so many good chances. Um, that I wouldn't be surprised if they went to if they scored three or four against Aston Villa and, and you know I agree with Mark I think Villa will score as well because Brighton are leaving themselves a little bit more exposed than than they did under Graham Potter uh, but I, I think if it becomes a shootout there's only one team winning this and that's Brighton. Be fascinating to see how it develops. Two excellent coaches on the sideline for that one. We've got a very exciting offer coming up ahead of the World Cup. It's to do with the Golden Boot Market. Bet £10 on the Golden Boot winner and get a free £2 bet every time they score or assist. It applies to the first bet placed on the Golden Boot Market. Maximum £2 free bet per goal or assist. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Now, Manchester United, again, we don't know how they did on Thursday against Villa in the League Cup. We do know they got stuffed last weekend. Still not quite sure uh, about what's happening with Eric Ten Hag. Some great performances, no doubt about that, but some pretty uh, grim ones as well. And they go to face a Fulham side who I've been really impressed with in the last few weeks, playing some really progressive football. Mark O'Hare, how do you see this one going? I can see it being quite an entertaining game, actually. Um, I'll start with Fulham, who... They're fun, aren't they? They are, but um, I'm going to be a bit negative about them to start with because I think they were frustrated and they were angered at the way in which things ended at the Etihad last weekend, and I think they've every right to be angered by the controversial penalty towards the end. But, you know, if you're going to be critical of them, which I think we should be, um, they didn't leave enough out there on the field at the Etihad to deserve anything more because once they were playing against 10 men and had a, a result in the Palmers. They, they regressed um, or yeah, they basically didn't do enough and there should be regrets in that camp because of it. Because I know going to Man City, whether they've got 10 or 11 players on the field is, is always a difficult task. But you know, despite having no Mitrovic, they scored and they were in a great position, but they tried to be compact. They tried to play on the counter-attack and they weren't effective enough to keep City out because that defence isn't good enough to keep a team like Man City out for for 90 minutes with 10 or 11. And it's a shame because they're unbeaten and four going into that match and had a, a great opportunity. They've been proactive at attacking teams. They've been putting teams under pressure very high. They've got midfield that I think has performed as, as well as any in the Premier League this season. And the defence, as I say, is, is questionable. So to sit back and try and invite pressure on and hold on to what you've got probably isn't ideal, really. They only managed two shots after, after the equalising goal and they only managed six touches in the box in the second half, which kind of goes to show... The, the way of which that match was going. But, um, you know, Mitrovic, we hope he's going to be fit and available for this game. Um, if he is, brilliant. Uh, they are missing Harrison Reed and they are missing Tete as well. So two big blows because uh, the defence is missing a few members anyhow. So I think right back is a bit of a problem position. And, and Harrison Reed has been very, very influential yeah. in that central midfield area too. So 
Yeah, fingers crossed we get Mitrovic and then we've got the best of both worlds really from a Fulham perspective, missing key defensive players, but also have their, their main asset in attack. So I like over two and a half goals and both teams scoring at 1.8. Um, we've had three or more goals in 12 of Fulham's 14 Premier League games since promotion, 11 of which have seen both teams scoring. Half have gone over three and a half. Um, and yeah, I think they can drag United into a, into an open encounter um, because they have a point to prove after last weekend. They were incredibly passive, inaccurate in possession, deservedly beaten. Um, I know there was no Varane, no Bruno, no Anthony, three players who have probably been quite integral to their rejuvenation. Bruno will be back from suspension, but Dallow is now suspended as well. So he's been very important to them this season. Still Varane missing as well. So with a lack of forward options, they've started Ronaldo, and I don't think that does them any good in or out of possession. So, um, yeah, I'm quite happy to skip kind of odds on quotes on United to win this match and instead just focus on goals because United have been at their best at Old Trafford. Away from home, they're ninth on expected points, 10th on XG process as well. I think Fulham score, and I think if Fulham score, it obviously drags United into a bit of a end-to-end fixture. So hoping for some more entertainment and both teams scoring with over two and a half goals too. Yeah, Jake, we're nearly at the World Cup break. So we've had a, a fair old while to assess what Eric Ten Hag's trying to do at Manchester United. How far along that road is he? Probably 15%. Um, there's a long way to go. Uh, I, one thing that I would say is <clears throat> they are looking much better defensively. Um, and that could be just as simple as the, you know, the introduction of Casemiro that's contributed to that and just made everything a little bit tighter. It but, took a while know, the... to bed Casemiro in, didn't he? He, was, he had this weird spell where Scott McTominay was getting chosen ahead of Casemiro. And I thought that might have been the first sign of the apocalypse. But we got there in the <laughs> end with Casemiro getting into the team. Yeah, it was only a matter of time, wasn't it, really? Um, but yeah, it, it, I don't know, I don't know if, if that was just him using that time to teach him the slightly different nuances in his system or what he wants him to do, maybe, rather than just throwing him straight in and... Uh, you know, we see sometimes players get thrown in early doors um, and they struggle. It takes them a while to adapt. I think Martinez, you could argue, was the same, wasn't he, at the start of the season? First two matches, he wasn't great. He looked all over the place, but got a few more games under his belt um, and, and eventually he, he starts to look really good. But yeah, I, I think they, they, they're definitely trending in a positive direction. They just need better players and better quality in forward areas. Um, ultimately, that's that's the... That's the gap at the moment. That's the gulf. The, the back four looks looks steady. looks good. Um, the, the midfield, um, you know, I, I wouldn't change too much with that. You know, you, you've got Casemiro and Fred. If you want, if you're playing one of the big six, you can play those two. If not, you've got Eriksen and Fernandez. You can play in there. Maybe maybe one extra piece of depth there. Uh, but the forward areas is just where it's just a massive gaping holes all over. Really, you've got good individual players. Um, but they're just missing something to knit it together. I think they're missing a number nine. I know Martial's been um, been out injured for most of the season. He's had a really good pre-season in, in that system. Um, but yeah, that, I just think that that's that's the main area for, for of improvement for me. Um, but having said that, I think this is a good game for them um, to to potentially score a couple of goals and get a win. I just think that the the, the strength of Manchester United is the defence. The strength of Fulham is their attack, um, whereas the, the and the biggest weakness of Fulham is their defence. They are really bad defensively. They're actually the worst defensive team in the league based on expected goals. So they give you loads of good chances. Um, and that's the area that Manchester United have really struggled recently is actually A, creating the chances and B, taking them. Um, since the Manchester derby, they've been one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the league. They played six times, 0.77 non-penalty expected goals against per game. 
Um, you know, they've played West Ham, Chelsea, Spurs and Newcastle in that run. So it's not like they've played bottom six fodder. Um, and But the the other side of the pitch, they're, they're around 1.35 expected goals for per game. So they're not creating anything of note. And I think that the way in which Fulham set up and which they will try and play, particularly given that they're at home, will present United with a lot of good chances um, this weekend. And I, and I think they've got slightly more quality in those forward areas than, uh, than Fulham, if you take Mitrovic out. Um, so I, I see that as a... You know, Fulham's strength is is facing Manchester United's strength, um, and Manchester United's mediocre attack is facing Fulham's really bad defence. And, and I think that that could be the 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 sort of key battle is just generally can Manchester United score two or three against Fulham? Because I think Fulham will score. It's just a case of can Man United take advantage of the chances that they'll be gifted. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Now it's time for Mark My Words, the European nap, with our very own Mark O'Hare. And once again, c'est un jeu de la Liga. It's a game from Liga. Yeah, um, Sunday afternoon, 4.05 kickoff, Strasbourg take on Lorient. Uh, I think this has got both teams to score written all over it, actually. And it's a, a wager that's been very profitable for, for Liga and punters this season. 64% of overall matches in this league have seen both teams scoring. And on this occasion, we've got basically two of the, the chief protagonists taking each other on. Uh, the raw numbers are exceptionally strong and in our favour. So combined, Strasbourg and Lorient have played 28 league games this season. 22 of those have seen both teams scoring. That's a 79% hit rate. Uh, I know this isn't the way to price up matches, but if you did, you turn that percentage hit rate into implied odds, you get a, a price of 1.27. Uh, we're getting 1.73, um, which I appreciate is still a little bit short for some people, but I think there's great value in this because Strasbourg have hit BTTS in 11 of 14. They've scored in 11 of 14. They've managed only one clean sheet. Hugely underperforming expectations this season. And uh, they have, absolutely have to react to, to last weekend where they, they blew a 2-0 lead in the first half to lose 4-2 at uh, lowly Ajaxio. Uh, all six goals coming before half-time. It was quite a mad first 45 minutes. But it means their last seven results read 2-1, 1-3, 2-3, 0-3, 2-2, 2-2, 4-2. It's been quite the ride following them. But because they've been underachieving, their head coach, Julien Stefan, is under huge pressure. And this is effectively a win or bust situation for him. If Strasbourg don't beat Lorient this weekend, he will be sacked. So I expect Strasbourg to be front foot. They tend to be when playing at home in the Alzac region. They scored in 21 of the last 26 home games in Ligue 1. And they're playing a Lorient team who've been one of the surprise packages so far this season, we've covered them regularly. They've been fantastic fun to follow, even this last weekend. They lost to PSG, but gave them a really good run for their money, losing 2-1. They've actually conceded multiple goals now in three games on the spin. Their good results have turned a little bit, but performances have stayed pretty strong. They've also seen both teams scoring in 11 of 14. They scored themselves in 13 of those 14, but managed only three shutouts despite sitting in the top six. They've had seven away days. Four of those have gone over three and a half. They've scored at least twice in five of them as well. I just think this match looks primed for goals as Strasbourg are desperate to try and hit some sort of winning form. They've won just once all season and Lorient looked to bounce back after successive defeats. So both teams' main strengths are in forward areas. You know, you look to the two teams, whether it's Moffi on the Lorient side or Gamero from the Strasbourg team, there's real sort of uh, hit men available uh, to try and score some goals here. And I think it'll be quite fun. So both teams to score at 
One more tip from the Bundesliga. We've got a uh, Mind Derby between Mainz and Eintracht Frankfurt at the weekend. Mainz are really struggling at the moment. They lost 3-0 at home to Wolfsburg last weekend. They were beaten 1-0 at Schalke in midweek. It takes a fair bit to lose to Schalke at the moment. And I'm going to go for Frankfurt's Daichi Kamada to score at any time at 3.4. He scored in five of his last eight games. He's taking penalties at the moment as well. He's playing in a deeper role but still able to get forward and support the attack you could also go uh, for Frankfurt draw double chance and Kamada to have a shot on target or Kamada to score if you want a bigger price on the sportsbooks bet builder that's all we have time for on this edition of football only better please do remember to gamble responsibly we've got some really exciting world cup content coming up a big preview show with some exciting guests and we'll also have daily preview shows throughout the tournament from Jake from Mark and from me it's goodbye for now while to assess what Eric Ten Hag's trying to do at Manchester United. How far along that road is he?